Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's right. There it is. Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Indianapolis Colts during the season, home of the 2023 NFL Combine. This week, this is with the first pick podcast on CBS Sports HQ coming to you live from the Indianapolis Convention Center. And as you see the scenics here, I'm Ryan Wilson. This is our general manager, Rick Spielman. And we are live together again. We were together in Mobile, Alabama, did a show. We're in Phoenix, Arizona for the Super Bowl, and here we are uh, on stage here at the Combine. Um, Great news today. We're going to talk a little Combine uh, early in the the first block. Second block, Rick, our buddy, Pete Prisco, is going to join the show. I've been waiting for this for so long, I can't imagine him coming on here and actually trying to explain to us what a college football player looks like that will be able to play in the NFL. Rick, I can see him just offset. He looks extremely nervous, so we will talk to him shortly. But for now, we're going to start with a little combine conversation, which makes sense because we are here in Indianapolis. And let me just ask you a general question, and I want to make sure I get this right because you don't have a lot of patience for, for silliness when it comes to, to getting to the point. But as an NFL general manager, and you spent more than 10 years as the Vikings general manager, what is the overarching takeaway that you want coming out of this week when you talk to your staff, when you talk to your scouts, when you talk to your uh, scouting directors? What do you want to get out of this week? Uh, physical, uh, the interviews, the medicals, what are you looking for? Yeah, the number one thing is definitely getting the medicals all done because I couldn't imagine if 32 teams are trying to fly all these players in to have their doctors look at them. So the medical is a critical piece to this. The other thing you want to look at is the interview process. And we've talked to a lot of general managers. We've talked to some head coaches. They all talked about how important the interview process is and the first time they actually get to sit across from the player. The one thing you wanted to do, and I always did as a general manager is to make sure when those players come into that interview, you have something specific that you need to address with them, whether it's an off-field concern, whether it's an on-field concern, uh, whether it's an intelligence or learning issue. So you are preparing yourself for each individual interview uh, that comes into your room at night. 
And you've talked about the importance of the interview process, and I think fans in general probably look forward to the 40-yard dash or the vertical leap or the long jump, But, but for, and you've made this clear that the interviews and the medicals are incredibly important. Has it gotten easier or harder to read players when you get in these interviews with them because they are now so much more polished than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, and it's amazing the job that these agents do in prepping these players when they come into an interview. And so you really have to try to come up with creative ways to maybe get them off the rehearsed answers that they're going to probably give you. So you ask a lot of open-ended questions. You talk about, you know, uh, tell me an issue that maybe we don't know about you, that you weren't happy that you did off the field, decision that you made off the field. So then you see what type of rabbit hole that they will take you down and then you can dig further into those uh, questions. If it's a player that has high character, no issues at all but you may have a learning issue with him you're going to spend a lot more time with him on the board and watching tape and then some guys just come in or just as clean as a whistle and then you're just going to spend some time to get to know them a little bit, talk a little football get to know them from a uh, character and background standpoint uh, and then move on. And you talked about this before on the podcast, Jalen Hurts fit the description of someone who you were absolutely blown away with when you got a chance to talk to him in person. Yeah, we were down at the Senior Bowl and I spent you know, we got about 20 minutes with each kid, but I could have talked to him for two hours. <laughs> and to sit there and listen to his leadership style, listen to his maturity, listen to how he came, overcame all the adversity that he had to come uh, from Alabama, then getting benched, then moving on to Oklahoma. But he found a way to get over that hump on all the adversity that he faced. And that's what you're seeing right now, why he's having so much success in the NFL uh, as one of the young premier quarterbacks. Speaking of young premier quarterbacks, this is going to be a talking point uh, for the rest of the week. We've already talked about it several times today. The quarterbacks are the story here. And our favorite quarterback, QB1, is Bryce Young. We'll see how tall he is. We'll see how much he weighs. But one of your sticking points, and Jalen Hurts went to Mobile, Alabama, and took part in the Senior Bowl. Bryce Young wasn't eligible, but he played in his bowl game with Alabama. He's not going to throw here. The other quarterbacks looks like they will throw. Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a little bit of a concern, but not much because I knew he did not have to play in that Sugar Bowl, but he went down there and put a stamp on his career on who he is as a quarterback. Play me, played his best game of the season in that last game against Kansas State down there, made some incredible throws. What will be interesting is everybody and all these players are starting to jockey for position on teams' draft boards. So right now he is QB1. I think if you don't have a concern with the height or you don't have a concern with the weight, uh, that he's definitely the QB1 on most teams' boards. But all of a sudden you got a Will Levis, you got a C.J. Stroud who did something in the Georgia game that we didn't see all right. season is show his athleticism and how he made plays with his legs. So that closed the gap a little bit. And then you got Anthony Richardson who's got the most upside, the most physical ability, but probably also the most questions on him as well. So, But all these guys are going to go out there. They're going to compete. You're going to see them stack up against each other. And I'm not so sure that one of these or all three of these guys net nudge up closer uh, to that number one QB potentially taken off the board, especially C.J. Stroud. Let's talk about nudging up on the other side of the ball and when it comes to, to working out here. Will Anderson, you spent a lot of time with Alabama in the fall. You, you know him very well. He's a, a great young man off the field, great teammate, fantastic football player. It appears to be he's going through the drills. Jalen Carter said, I will wait till my pro day. Now, 
Jalen Carter, I don't know what he would have to do not to be one of the first players drafted, but is that any consideration from an evaluation standpoint when you see Will Anderson out there doing these drills and Jalen Carter not? Well, and yet it's part of the process and part of it. I don't know if uh, Jalen Carter is going to fall to number 30 in the first round. <laughs> He's not. just too talented. I'll bet a dollar on that if you want to go with our, continue with our dollar bets. Uh, but it's, you know, I don't know why. What's the reason why you're not going to compete? And that'd be one of the first questions I would ask if I was uh, sitting there and interviewing uh, the player from a team perspective. Why wouldn't you want to come in here and compete? Now, a lot of times it could be a health concern or something like that. You know, I saw, I believe, the uh, McBride, the running back from uh, Alabama, Birmingham, yep. has a hamstring. So I can understand why he's not going to be able Jail to Jail Skinner out. just got hurt working out prior to coming here, the, the safety from Boise State as well. Right. So... But I always wanted to check because all those guys have to go through a physical. So I want to know, how significant is this injury? And is it would it prevent you, if we had a game this Sunday instead of this combine workout, would you be able to play or not? And uh, so they can say they're injured or they got injured during training, uh, getting ready for the combine. But when you go through the medical, you know how significant that injury is. And I'd always ask our trainer, how significant is this? Is this preventing him from working out or not? Yeah, old school Rick. That's why they call you old school Rick. The difference, of course. Just what guys that want to go out there and compete and, and play ball. I get it. I get it. So, speaking of which, so it's not necessarily playing ball unless you're the quarterback in these drills this week, but are there drills specific to positions that you look for to see how these numbers work? Because, for example, are you worried about the 10 split for the offensive lineman? Does that mean anything in terms of their long-term NFL success? Yeah, there's a lot of things, and I, I was uh, able to serve on a lot of committees. One of the committees I was on was the uh, Combine Committee. Uh, in fact, what you've seen over the last three or four years uh, is the drills that they're doing, the position-specific drills that they're doing, it's evolving to what we're seeing on the field on Sundays. So an example was a running back. One of the routes that he had to run old school or throwback is a seven route or a, a deep corner route. Right. Well, they never run those in a game. So we changed it to a choice route or an option route uh, what they're going to run uh, an actual uh, on game day on Sunday in the NFL. So we tried to adapt a lot of the drills when we when I was part of this committee to what we're seeing today. Uh, for example, an offensive guard, they have to be able to get out with all this outside zone scheme. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to get out to get to the linebacker, and they have to take the proper angle. So we implemented a drill like that. Now, all the drills that we did put in, some of them were good, some of them weren't. Uh, we had one year where the tight ends were using a blocking sled to see we wanted to see if we can see pop and how yeah. they explode into the sled well the problem was the sled kept digging in the turf and it was going to end up getting someone hurt so we ended up scratching that but i think just like everything else in the nfl you have to continue to evolve the type of drills you're doing and the drills that are going to be applicable uh to what they're going to be doing on sundays so You've talked about this on the podcast, how analytics has grown into a pretty important part of the evaluation process. Obviously, it starts with watching the players and getting a sense for that. Do the uh, analytics get involved in terms of these drills or the numbers you want to see and how best to get to those numbers to see if you can find out? Um, For example, has the thinking changed in that you can have sub 33 inch arms and play off to tackle and be good or is it still that sort of the the, the benchmark for old school scouting yeah they've 
you know, our analytics did a phenomenal job uh, when I was in Minnesota, led by Scott Kuhn, who led all the analytics department and very bright-minded, a lot smarter than I am to come up with I all these. It yeah, it is, but it is what it is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but come up with all these different. Everybody gets the same number. So how can we take all these numbers we get at the combine, arm length, hand size, forties, and how can we make it a competitive advantage for us? So what we did is they went back and they studied combine numbers over the last 20 plus years. And then we tried to start cloning players on their success rate in the NFL. So if you had, for example, we found out that if an offensive tackle had less than 33 inch arm and ran slower than a 5-2-5-40, there were six guys at the time drafted in the first three rounds. All six never lived up to their billing. Um, you know, one of the most important parts of the 40 for the defensive backs is the flying 20, which is not the first 20 yards, but it's the last 20 yards of the 40-yard dash. So they were able to dissect a lot of these numbers, the psychological numbers, the intelligence numbers, and specifically weight what was most important for that position to try to predict what would be successful in the NFL. I love, I don't know if it's just because I'm small, I have a thing for small players, and you are very much like, well, small players tend to get hurt. And, and that's a concern, and that's obviously something that you're well, eyeballing. Can I ask you what, did you talk to my brother when he was over here early? Small guys break. Yeah. That's what I heard. It's a big man's game. It's a big man's game. Speaking of which, you are a Bryce Young supporter, as am I. And historically, guys who are sub 5'11", guys who are less than Allegedly, we have not had Allegedly, the official measurement yet. We'll find out. But right, uh, in that ballpark, you have Seneca Wallace, Joe Hamilton, that's it. Russ Wilson weighed over 200 pounds here. He was 5'11". Kyler Murray is 5'10 and an eighth, weighed 207, I believe 204. So they're thicker than Bryce Young. If you're a general manager trying to sell to an owner, I have to spend whatever the going rate is for a first overall pick, second overall pick on a five-year deal and sell that with the understanding that there's a chance he gets hurt because he's a quarterback, no matter the size. How are you doing that, especially given analytics will tell you this feels risky? Right, but the guys you're comparing them, they're two different animals as far as when 100%. you watch them on tape. Uh, Stanley Kowals was a very good athlete. I understand he was undersized, but they're not Bryce Young, and they don't do what Bryce Young does on the field. Bryce Young is an exception to the rule, in my opinion, uh, because of his ability to see the field, even though he's shorter, never gets balls batted at the line of scrimmage. He's an anticipatory thrower. He has an excellent arm that he can make all the throws at the NFL level. And he has an uncanny ability, no matter how big the stage is, he seems to perform on that stage. And that's not even talking about how high a character that kid is and how much and how important football is to him. Because if you go back and look, okay, you have this kid that was, what, his junior year won the Heisman Trophy? Yep. And that he has all this other distractions coming. You got the Dr. Pepper commercials. You got the NIL this. Can you do this? Can you do this? Yet he was mature enough to handle all that off-field stuff to still maintain focus on what he had to do as a quarterback and get ready to play on Saturdays for Alabama. I'm with you. I, I think it's interesting that you, old school GM, actually are coming around on little guys. So that's a, that's a vote for little people everywhere. It's an exception to the rule, but you can't have that many exceptions on your football team. Bryce Young is one exception? 
for little people, I'm another exception <laughs> for guys south of 60. And there'll be another little guy coming up here pretty shortly. That's as, a segue. podcast. That is what we call a segue, Rick Spielman. That's right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the one and only Pete Prisco will join us to talk some burning questions here at the NFL Combine from Indianapolis. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Indianapolis with the first pick, Ryan Wilson, Rick Spielman. And looky here, Rick. We found him. Finally. Live in this show up a little <laughs> bit, man. Frisco making his inaugural I pass. Mean, I can't allow Rick Spielman to have all the bad draft eggs on here. i got to bring my own. <laughs> and we'll get you a T-shirt for coming on the show today. Oh, wow. That's right. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is Pete's first visit. Almost certainly will not be his last. We'll see how it goes. Rick has the final say. He is the GM of the show, Pete. So let's start here. You get to be the GM on this very first question. It feels like a layup, but it's things that people are talking about, so we'll discuss it. Uh, is there any situation, and I think you were on set when Ryan Poles was on set earlier with, with Matt Eberflus, is there any situation where the Bears stay put, or should they trade out of this first overall pick? Well, if you stay put, what do you, you're not staying put for a quarterback, so go get value for the pick. Trade down. Go get yourself some extra draft picks and continue to build your roster. Remember, they have the most cap room. Uh, they, gotta, they can go get a bunch of free agents and try and build that around Justin Fields. I would trade the pick, get as many extra picks as I can. I wouldn't trade Justin Fields and draft a five foot nine and a half, 175 pound quarterback. I can promise you that. Even though <laughs> Rick, Rick even, though, even though Rick loves uh, Bryce Young, yeah, and I love Justin Fields, and I think he has a chance to be their franchise quarterback. The question I have for you is that if you're the general manager to Chicago Bears, and let's say you're not getting the value that you think the number one overall pick should get uh, for that. Uh, for the draft compensation, do you just stay or do you just take what you can get? Well, I mean, take what you can get, like uh, a, a one and a two. Like tra somebody trades up with their one and gives me a two. No, I'm not staying. I'll, I'll, I'll use the pick and, and, and draft somebody. But the good news is, unlike last year's draft class where the quarterbacks weren't good, the first quarterback went 20th overall, Kenny Pickett, there's going to be, it feels like, Rick, some competition to move up for these guys. So, Pete, I'll ask you again, how far are you willing to move down? The Colts are at four. They need a quarterback. The Vegas is at seven. Who's going to give me a, a first-round pick? and two twos or something to move down a couple spots or for two first-round picks, and I'll move down. But are you willing to go to nine with the Panthers and understand that you're going to miss out on Jalen Carter or Will Anderson? Or what am I getting? Wilson? If I'm going down that far, I'm getting a little bit you're more. You're getting a little more. I want, right. I want draft picks. If I'm the Bears, I want draft picks because I can rebuild this team. If, I'm, if I have a belief in myself as a drafter, then I want the draft picks because you already have the cap room. You can go do it that way, and you can also get a lot of picks. And, and just to make a point to Pete's, if you have that much draft capital, it doesn't prevent you from moving back up because there's point. been 
plenty of times where I've moved down, and then we took some of that draft capital and moved back up to go get a player. The question is this. The quarterbacks. I mean, you keep talking about how great this quarterback class is. Four months ago, they're better than we thought they were. This group is better than what last year's group was. And, and last year's group wasn't great. Nobody no. nobody will pretend it was. But I don't know how great this draft class I don't is disagree. either. Every single one of them have, have issues. Every one of them. Uh, again, we start with Bryce Young. Tiny. Tiny. I mean, he's a little kid. He looks. Somebody told me, a scout told me today, he looked like a high school kid. He's tiny. And I know you're going to defend him. Here we go. Go ahead. Wind him up and defend the Alabama kids. Wait, go Rick, ahead. No. no, Rick, ask him who his QB1 is. Who's your QB1? He is. <laughs> but I, 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 By the way, I'm not entirely done with the process for myself. Um, as of right now, he is, and it goes against everything I believe in, and in, in having a quarterback who's five foot ten and a half and 185 pounds. You're all, that's all alleged. You don't know that yet. Let's get the official You've measurements. You stood in. next to him. Well, how tall do you think he is? He's taller than five. He 10. doesn't want to say. Yeah, he's five foot ten ish. Okay, <laughs> and it's not. That's not the the height. Isn't the issue. It's the size. He's not a big guy. He's a little guy. So are you more worried about the durability? Yes, because yes. he plays like a big quarterback. He never gets the ball bad at the line of scrimmage. That's true. He has unique vision down the field. He also, he's he, an anticipatory thrower. He's the most accurate thrower in this year's draft class. He is, what else do you want? Is he, he is accurate. He's an accurate thrower. He throws a catchable ball. That'll yeah. say. But well, you, let me ask you this, Pete. So is there any quarterback, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, whoever's behind door number five that can be in the QB running race? Like, could someone go first over Bryce Young and, and be a surprise for the media, at least? Well, I still think Will Levis is in play. And I don't so think explain he will. to me. Well, here's why. I, I Again, you guys know this. Will Levis playing last year, and you should be proud of this, is the guy who wants everybody to play. Supposedly had a bum shoulder and a bum foot all year and played through it. That that means something. Should he be pinged for the way he played? Because he wasn't good last year. Don't get me wrong. He was not good last year. But the year before, when he played Georgia, he popped that tape on against the national championship defense that had all those guys drafted and will have more in this class. He was good in that game. Well, let me just ask a question. Uh, just You could watch this year's Georgia semifinal and see C.J. Stroud do it better. Well, C.J. Well, he also has a lot better players around him, too. I mean, he's got the – think about C.J. Stroud – not this past year, but the year before, who he was throwing to. I mean, come on. Are we real? It was it was Garrett Wilson. It was Marvin Harrison Jr. It was Smith and Jegba. And it was a, uh, Alave. I mean, like, okay, go ahead. Now go make a play. I mean, of course he's going to look good. Who's Levis throwing you to? The still year before, have to he be able to throw Robinson. the ball, though. You can have all those all-stars out there in first-round picks, but you still have to execute look, and throw I'm the ball. I'm not saying that C.J. Stroud can't throw the ball. There were games when he played Northwestern and the weather was bad. How do he look in that game? Okay. He was terrible. Yes. So you could pick them all apart. Every single one of them. Every single one of these quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson, to me, he's intriguing because of what you could do with him if you create the offense to work around him, much like the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts. Is Hurst. there any universe where you would take Anthony Richardson first? I need to do more work on him. and But the answer to your question, because I want to watch more tape on him, but yeah. the answer to your question is maybe. So, yeah, Rick, let me yeah. follow up on that, though. Let, let's assume that, well, let's say for on some universe, uh, a lot of universes here on the show, <laughs> that Kyle Shanahan, this is the year that they move up to three. Would you feel comfortable with Anthony Richard going first of all to, to that program? Because it feels like, no disrespect to Brock Purdy, but that was a great situation, landing spot for him. There's I mean, no way they can do that. They just spent... No, but, but uh, hypothetically... Uh, somebody like that, you're saying. Yeah, somebody right. like that. Would, like, Okay, let's just say if, if they hadn't made the move to go get Trey Lance. Exactly. Would, right. If you were the 49ers, would you go up could you go up and go get 
Anthony Richardson? And the answer to that question is yes. What are you doing it with? Is Anthony Richardson better prospect than Trey Lance? No, I'm saying it's hypothetical. Okay. Is Anthony Richardson, I don't deal in is Anthony Richardson a better prospect than Trey Lance? I would say that he is physically a better prospect than Trey Lance. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I so would agree with put that. Put aside the, the compensation, just for the, the sake of conversation here, that feels like a situation that would be a good fit because Shanahan seems to be able to scheme these things up no matter the athleticism level of the quarterbacks. And I, I think to Pete's point... But, go but, ahead. But it feels like Anthony Richardson has had more big game experience. Hasn't been great, granted, but it feels like the upside is higher as well. Yeah, but you look at back then, um, Jamarcus Russell. Everybody was saying he's the next come because he threw the ball as pretty as anyone. Yeah, but when you look other, at the tape, he had a lot here, of other issues as yeah, well. Come on. Well, does this kid on the field? Some of the athletic things that he does. There's not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL today that are very good quarterbacks that can do what he can do. The way the ball comes off his hands, he's like a running back uh, when he has the, when, when he's running the ball. He's tough to bring down. He's a he's got all the physical tools you want. The biggest question that he has to answer at this combine is in the interview process, does he know what it takes off the field to be an NFL quarterback? That, that, is that's he, not the answer. Is he the next? That's not the question. The question is, will he on the next level be able to process? Because he wasn't asked to that's do it. That's part of, of the interview process wow. is you're trying to find out how he can process. <laughs> well, that's mean, the psychological testing that's that you hate. That's testing the intelligence. Is, that's that's the psychological testing. Has Everything's involved in that. No, that has nothing to do with can he process. If he, if How do you know it was a guy's process if you're just going to sit there and watch or not? Are you going to ask, hey, did you process that? No, no you put I him on the board. That. You put him on the board and see what that, he can do. See, that's where you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Because a guy can go on the board and draw up cover two, and, okay, they got a strong safety come down. And can he can sit there and explain it like an offensive coordinator. And he can do that in three to four or five minutes, okay, and sound like a coach. But it's different when you have to mentally process that in two and a half seconds or less. Oh, I get it. So there's two that. different things. No, I get that. But so you're he, wrong. No, I'm saying, but you can put him on the board. That'll be one way to see <laughs> what he can do. And can he process? I get it. Does he? Th did he process at Florida? Was he forced to process at Florida? The answer I, to that question, he didn't have to do a lot of it. So let me ask you this, Rick, in, in terms of... Being further along in terms of experience, at the very least, Will Levis, he's a finance guy. He's supposed to be incredibly smart. So you get him on the board. And but then I'm going to ask him, well, if you're this smart, why are you throwing the ball into coverage when it's not there? And what answer are you looking to get? That is that I, yeah. satisfactory? Yeah, no, I'm kind of anxious to see, was it, as does he, does he start blaming, well, it was a bad call by the offensive coordinator. You don't want to hear that. The though, offensive right? line didn't protect well enough. You don't hear that either. The receiver ran his route short, and I was anticipating him to go and be three yards deeper on the route. I'm looking, is he going to take responsibility, yeah. or is he blaming everybody? Yeah, but you know yeah. what? Look, here's why. There are, like your name, Rick. And Spielman, there are Will and Levis. There are I's in both his first and last name. <laughs> so if he said that, you're going to – I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you my shoulder was messed up. My foot was messed up. That wasn't – my team stunk around me. The offensive line was terrible. I had no receivers. But go ahead. Go, go win games. Uh, you, you would get turned off by that or would you like his honesty? No, I would like the honesty, but I don't want. He's got to take some blame too. He didn't he's play well. He knows he didn't play. He would right, be first but I want to hear him say that too. But he, again, 
there are games where you watch Will Levis and he's not processing the information. And that's and my that point. that worries me. So we're talking about Anthony Richardson and, and his development and the thing with Will Levis. And, and Rick, you've actually talked about this. It took you a, a while as an evaluator to figure out you can be a smart quarterback, but if you're not quickly processing, no matter how smart you are, that's a concern. How would you go about figuring that out with Will Levis? Well, Telling what Pete says, you have to do this through tests, and you can not do psychological tests. You can do tests. There's no, different yeah, there's, ways. There's, there are tests oh to God. measure how quick you can process. I get it, but not psychological tests. Push those aside. Okay, there's psychological testing, okay. but there's mental quickness okay. involved okay. in the psychological well, here, testing. Okay, there's, and I'm going to give you an example about visual, life. How I'm going to teach you some life lessons. Ready? Put up a puzzle. How visually quick can right, they correct. solve? But I'm going to teach you puzzle. some life lessons. Ready? Okay. There. There are people who are Mensa, right? They're Do brilliant. you have a pen or paper or anyone? Yeah. I want to write this down. Mensa. <laughs> and you put them on the street and they can't last two seconds because they're not street smart. Right. When you play the game of football, you can be smart, but if you're not football smart, you're not going to succeed. No. And I, football I smart means processing, like you said, but understanding like the game. Like Young does. Yeah. That's, no, he's a good processor. A good Nobody's ever going to say he's not. But... Again, is five foot ten, 185 right, go, pounds. Let me ask you this. Let's change the subject. He doesn't have a big arm either, Patrick Mahomes comparison. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, we'll say that. We, you're going to be on all week, so we have plenty of time to yell about that. Let me ask you about the wide receivers, Pete. Tell me who your favorite wide receiver is. It doesn't have to be the best, but in terms of your favorite player. Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. Oh, that's next year. <laughs> that's next year. How about this year? It's probably the big kid from TCU. And again, Zay Flowers is interesting to me. I, I, he likes Zay, too. All he does is produce. All he did, and he had terrible quarterback play this year, awful quarterback play, yeah. and he still produces. When he gets the ball, he gets open. He knows how to run after the catch. I worry about Johnson a little bit. I, I what wonder, are you worried about exactly? I, I don't. You know, you the comparison to T. Higgins, I get it, but is he is just a straight line guy? No, he's not. No, he's not a straight line guy. When you watch him on, uh, he, he makes some plays. Body with little body movement skills, and when you see him drop his weight, getting I don't think he plays as fast as his forty time. Do you think he plays as fast? I think he plays fast. Yeah. Yeah. He's fast on, on tape. He plays pretty. I fast. don't think he plays as fast as forty time, and I worry about that. But I, he's, if you're going to draft a prototypical wide receiver, he's the guy. If Zay Flowers was a little bit bigger, he'd be the guy. But you look at this group. It's Johnson. I love Addison. I, I think Addison's going to be a big time player. Smith and Jegma. How do you know? Here's the thing. I mean, he was the fourth receiver on that team last year. But here's the thing that, Jack, that Garrett Wilson told us in, in Phoenix. If you go back and look, he Garrett said he was the best receiver on that squad. And you go back and look at the numbers. He had the most receptions. He had the most yards. Now, Rick will tell you the athleticism of a concern, and he plays out of the slot. So, But we said the same well, thing. Well, yeah, he's getting open and had the most receiving yards because everybody was worried about the two other guys on the well, outside. Three right? other guys. Three other but, guys. Rick, let me ask you this, because one of the concerns about Justin Jefferson coming out was how fast was he going to be, and he only played in the slot. How did you get over? No, that? he did not only play in a slot. He, his junior year, he did. His sophomore year, he did. He, he was outside of sophomore year, and that's year. what he told and, me. And when he I asked some, him that they had some very talented receivers on that roster too. But you've seen Justin Jefferson make all the plays you wanted that's him true. to make, and he had great ability to go up and get the ball. He made contested catches, and he was a lot faster than I think people. Sometimes when you're evaluating these guys, some of these big guys are long striders, but they're so smooth that it may not look right. like they're running fast, but then they come out here and run a 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four because they're so smooth and so efficient the way they run. You know, go back to that, uh, I think it was 2020 Ohio State receiver room. Yeah. Jamison Williams was in that room, Can you get too. playing time. So, okay, rank those receivers in that re room as is right now. Smith and Jigba would be the last one. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think I think Garrett. I love Garrett more than Olave, but they're both had really good rookie seasons. Right. So I mean, look, he's a good player. I just don't think. Picking him in the first round, maybe the back end of the first. Well, if he round, runs a four three nine, what does that do for you? It doesn't change me. I mean, it doesn't. Four I, six I, five changes. Four six five goes him out into the second round. I think second. You might as well keep going. Well, that makes There's it not a lot, a lot of four six five receivers right. playing in this league. Let me ask you about Jalen Hyatt. I don't know if you've seen the Tennessee launch runner. He reminds me a little bit of Mike Wallace. Is that a first round talent, like a home run hitter like that, or is that too rich for you? Uh, you know what? The more I watch Tennessee, and I've gone back and watched them, the other receiver is a good player too. Tillman. Cedric Tillman, Tillman's yeah. a good player. He was so, hurt too, so yeah, he's, he's, he's hurt. better than than he's, yeah. he I was mean, on this tape. Kid's, this kid's got a lot of speed, and well, I'm curious to see what he's going to run. What do you think he runs? I bet everybody a dollar. This is one of our dollar bets. <laughs> okay. He'll be the fastest player at the combine. Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. What about Devin Achain, the the Texas A&M sprinter? Are you faster than him. Hyatt will be the first. Right, There's a couple other track guys in this. A lot thing, of track too. guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you're going to be right about that That'll one. As usual, right. you'll be wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like him as a receiver, though? That's the Who's question. That? The kid from Hyatt from uh, from Tennessee. I think the concern is he's a one year wonder guy, and he had a big year, but just coming out of that offense, and what he does is he does the vertical stuff, and he did track the ball well down the field. I don't know if he's a complete receiver yet because uh, you don't see a lot of the route tree that he's going to have to run here at the NFL. He does have good hands, but sometimes you get a little cautious when he's only done it for one year. Why hasn't he been as productive in years previous? It's not a great receiving group. It's just not. It's not a great receiving group. That's right. why part of the reason we talked to, to, to Trent Baalke about it today. Yeah. Go get Calvin Ridley in Jacksonville because you don't know if there's any That's real right. great receivers in this class. I actually agree with you on that. The, compared to recent years, this receiver class is going to be interesting. I think you get more value late day two, early day three. Uh, but, Rick, Pete's time here is going to end. We're done with, with I'm, the first I'm, big I'm coming here. back tomorrow. For today. It's okay. your inaugural appearance. No, no, no. Yeah, you're coming back. Uh, and never say my time is coming to an end. I'm too close <laughs> to that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So thank you for joining us uh, with the first pick here in Indianapolis. And we'll be back here tomorrow for sure. In the meantime, you can check us out with the first pick wherever you get your podcast. And you can find our coverage as well on CBS Sports HQ. All week from Indianapolis. For Pete Frisco, Rich Gillen, Brian Wilson. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.